Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello, welcome back, archivists, to a new episode, a new week. All right. How are you? Good. Oh, that's it? No smart-ass remark? Yeah, it is, because everybody knows now, when you say, how are you, I'm like, yeah, you've been here for a couple days. You know how I am. I've only been here for like one and a half days this time, thank you very much. And this is the last time we're recording before the baby comes. So, oh, yay. <laughs> okay. All right. So but we'll let everybody know which episode is the last one. Yeah. And then we're going to try and figure out how to record remotely. Mm-hmm. That's we're going to we're going to work on that. Okay. <laughs> what do we got today? We are talking about David Cam and his family. His wife and two kids were murdered in uh, September of 2000. Now, I found this case through an episode on Discovery Plus of what was it? Unraveled. It was actually a really good episode because the episode was focused on a lot of like forensic science. So we can mm-hmm. talk a little bit because you watched it today. So we can talk a little bit. Yeah. It'll come into play a, a couple of times. It was mostly about like the expert testimony, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Learned quite a bit. Uh, and the episode covers more than just his case, but it, it does mostly focus on his case. And so I wanted to talk about this specifically. Months before the murder of his family, he actually had retired from the Indiana State Police to work at his family business. So when this murder occurs, he had been retired from as a a retired police officer, state police, for just a couple months. Mm -hmm. Did we jump to the murder already? I'm about to get there. Oh, okay. I was just giving you that backstory. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I heard you, though. Did you? (laughs) Did did you? All right. Uh, we are in Georgetown, Indiana. That is where our story is taking place. It is the night of September 28th, 2000. It's a Thursday. David Cam goes to a church not very far from his house to play basketball for a couple hours with 11 other people. Um, some friends and I think a couple family members, too, because it said like his uncle was one of them that was there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he gets home from the church at around 9.20 p.m. And he goes in through the garage and he finds his wife dead on the floor, the garage floor, with their Ford Bronco passenger door open. There is blood coming from her head. It said it was, what was it, about 26 foot, 26 inches, a mm-hmm. uh, stream of blood coming from her uh, head leading out of the garage into the driveway. And he immediately starts looking for his kids, which he finds in the back of the Bronco. Kim is 35 years old. She is lying half-dressed, so her pants are removed on the floor. Uh, Another thing to note is that her shoes have been placed neatly on the top of the, like, the hood of the car, the very top of the car. Yeah, I knew that would be important. Yeah. And it is, kind of. Well, it ties it it all in. Yeah, Yeah. it helps. uh, It corroborates the later. His son, Bradley, who is seven, is sitting on the right side of the car. Jill, who is five, is slumped over in the back seat with her head kind of in her lap. 
They describe each person being shot execution style. So just they Mm -hmm. were each shot one time, Mm -hmm. close range. There was also a gray sweatshirt on the ground near Kim, but he didn't like he didn't notice that at Mm -hmm. the time. He just went for his kids. So he looks in and he thinks that Bradley might still be alive. So he reaches over Jill and pulls Bradley out of the car and lays him down on the ground to do CPR. He said he has no idea how long it was, maybe like five minutes. He tried to revive him, and then he calls the police. Mm-hmm. So that gray sweatshirt ends up being underneath Bradley when they, when police arrive uh-huh. and everything. Yeah. So there is a random gray sweatshirt that is there. Uh, we heard the 911 call. What did you, I want you to mention what you said when you heard it. Yeah, so it it, it definitely sounds like somebody who's, frantic in a panic you know and, and just you know not somebody i mean because you always listen to the 911 mm-hmm. call and you know th- what i'm gonna say the husband's always the first one in line in right. the suspect line uh, but he it, it sounded sincere sounded legit you know like get over he's like and he's because he's retired or former cop and he's just screaming no get over you don't understand get over here now like he it, it sounded pretty legit yeah, and the 911 operator obviously knew who he was because mm-hmm. he said, get over to David Cam's house now is what he, mm-hmm. you could hear the 911 operator, which was really sad. Okay, so that was what the crime scene looks like. He calls police. They show up. Now, in the show, he said that the, what was it, the forensic, anal- the the crime scene person, what are they called? The, the criminalist? The or crime the- scene person, the forensic person that showed up. Yeah, the, the, just, the CSI. On, yeah, the, yeah. The when CSI? they showed up, yeah, he, the said, yeah. he said when they showed up, he immediately made a comment about how this was a crime definitely committed by David Cam. So essentially setting up the story for us that he is going to be the main person that. Yeah, but that doesn't come out anywhere else, though. Yeah, he says that they said that, but, you know. That doesn't come out anymore anywhere else. Okay. So now the evidence that is at the crime scene. Now, this is unknown at the time in 2000, but there is DNA that is going to be found on that gray sweatshirt uh, that is an unknown full profile for a different person who they will run through CODIS and there's no hit. But that's not they don't do that for another like two years when the trial starts. Right. But they have the gray sweatshirt as evidence. His argument is they start processing the scene to to prove that he killed his family. Right. Right. Go from there. Right. So then they bring in Rob Stites, who is an alleged blood spatter analysis. Uh, so they originally called someone else, but he was busy. Uh, Rod Eng- Englert is who they yeah, originally called. He's the called. number one. He's the guy. He's like the certified guy or, or whatever, the experienced guy, allegedly. And they brought in this other guy. Well, because Rod was busy. So he yeah. said, I'm going to send in my my protege. protege. Yeah. Who is Rob Stites. So when he comes in, he's going through the crime scene. He says that that long stream of blood on the floor uh, was a different color in different places. So it was like dark red to like light red. Mm -hmm. So to him, he said that that meant that someone had tried to clean it up. Right. There's also eight drops of blood found at the bottom of David Cam's shirt. Tiny, tiny, tiny pieces of blood. I thought it was a little crazy. That Rob Stites says is high velocity impact spatter, mm-hmm. which um, means that Cam had to be within four feet of his family when they were shot. They also process the inside of the garage door and re- like take that for evidence because there was blood spots 
that what, Rob. What they believed to be blood. Yes, what they believed, what Rob told them, because they were doing all of this under the direction of Rob. Yeah, so he's, he's saying, in there leading. Yeah, leading them around, saying, yep. collect this, collect that. That Oh, look at that blood. That's spatter, cast off or whatever up there. Take yeah. that. And they took the whole garage door. Yes, they took the whole garage door for tiny, tiny spots. Saying again, it was high velocity blood spatter. He finds uh, the sewer cap has a tiny red spot that he says is blood. This yeah. prompts them to dig up the entire septic system looking yeah. for a uh, weapon, which was uh, your reaction to that, I thought was. That was ridiculous. Yeah. I never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Uh, and obviously they didn't did, find he, a gun. He threw the weapon down the septic. Like that doesn't make any sense. What a gun? Yeah. That just none of this makes any sense. Okay, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, so there's a red stain on the mop in the laundry room, and oh, so that up is blood. right. So that's what. Remember, he said that he believed that red stain yeah, of blood luminol would have luminol would have showed that that maybe that thing didn't have any blood on it at all. Was that a thing back in 2000? Yeah, probably. Oh. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There is also a bloody handprint found inside the car. That, and then the other sort of evidence that the prosecution is going to use is that David Cam had previously cheated on his wife with multiple women in the past. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is that though it was in the past and he hadn't been cheating on her. So Okay. So they got blood on his shirt. Mm-hmm. He did we talk about where he what he you talked about going to the gym. Yeah, so. Yeah, he went to the gym, yeah. uh, the, or so the, his, the church his, parking lot yeah, gym. Yeah, his T-shirt and shorts, he comes back from the gym. He's got blood on the shirt, so that, according to them, that places him according there. According to Rob. Stites. Yeah, that places him there. However, it's his house, and what did he say? Remember what he said he did? He, he said when he went in there, did you get to that part yet? I already said that, but I didn't make the correlation yet. Yeah, okay. For right. our listeners, but if you would like to give that yeah, as a little so hint. Yeah, he, so he said... That he leaned over because he thought he thought his, his son, son was maybe still alive. still alive. So he leaned over to grab his son to do CPR. So he definitely leaned into. Um, he leaned over, over his, his daughter, daughter who, yes. who was bloody as well. So so that is important. But he tells that story to the cops. So. Yes, and he immediately tells investigators yeah. that they are wrong. So they bring him in and they present him with this expert testimony from this their their expert witness saying that he absolutely had to have been there because of the high intent the what is it the high velocity yeah they put it under a microscope now and they're looking at this and and they show it to us and yeah he's saying their expert is saying this is high velocity it's like embedded in the t-shirt that means when the gun went off right oh wait a minute we forgot a lot of things like gunshot residue and stuff like that where's the gun that too motive so he in the um the interview immediately lashes out and says you're wrong your expert's wrong get a different expert i did not do this Mm -hmm. so which again what have you always said to me strong denials strong strong denials strong confident denials like that or indication that the person's being truthful so you looking at him saying that in the video well I, i didn't the video was hard to watch. I yeah. couldn't really tell. It was a short clip. But yeah, uh, but but if that's how it comes off, and it's not like, oh no, I don't think I did this. You know, it, yeah, yeah str- no, st- like strong denials are indication that mm, maybe you're on the wrong path. Right, that person is telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So he's immediately claiming innocence. However, they charge him with uh, the murder of his uh, wife and two kids. Yeah, because. Because this expert that came in mm-hmm. allegedly helped the police collect evidence that suggested there was a violent, 
crime and he was there because the the blood on his shirt right and he tried to clean it up and there was blood that shows maybe he threw the weapon down the the the, the drain and mopped it, mopped it up right keep in mind he had just been at the church with 11 other yeah, people yeah so wait a minute what There's about, no other, yeah. Wait a minute, but he wasn't even home. What's the deal there? Right. So January 14th, 2002 is when his trial is going to begin. Yeah. Prosecutors say that his motive was all of that cheating that I mentioned. They bring in all of the women who he had flings or flirtations with, and then they went on to attack the 11 witnesses and say that they couldn't be absolutely sure that David didn't sneak out of their eyesight at some point because they were playing and where they were playing was only minutes away from David's house. So this is now remember the crime took place. The murder took place in 2000. The trial is taking place in 2002. Mm -hmm. So they're putting these 11 players people on the stand as witnesses. And then the prosecution is saying this is what David is telling us in the narrative. He's saying that they asked these 11 people questions like who did you guard that day? How many points did you score? What like things like that mm -hmm. in an already stressful situation when your friend, family member is being accused of murder. So they're using that to break down their credibility and say, yeah, but there's 11 people that yeah. came in and said he was at the court with us until this time. He didn't leave. 11, 11 people. Yep. But okay. They, Keep going. We'll put it. I'll put it in perspective here in a little bit. So go ahead. So that with the women that they brought on the stand to really tear down his character. Um, and now he, he admits he says, like, listen, uh, this was not a secret that I had cheated on my wife. Yeah. I was a part of the state police. Everyone knew she knew. And he admits that it was disrespectful to his wife. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he seems remorseful. Yeah. So he says, yeah, but everyone him knew this. I I'm not sure how him. Cheating on his wife is a I, motive for murder. Yeah, I don't get how that's... Uh, and for his kids, too. Like, maybe if there was going to be a custody issue... Uh, I'm, I'm not... But uh, that's the kids, weak, a weak motive, I think. Still, yes, I agree. But okay. especially because the kids are dead, too. Yeah, yeah. So, prosecutors also explain... Now, remember I mentioned at this the crime scene, she was partially dressed. So, her pants yeah. were removed. So prosecutors explain any away any sexual assault by saying that David staged the crime scene. He's a police officer. He was a police officer. He knows what to do. He staged mm -hmm. anything that pointed away from him. They said he did to stage that paired with Rob Stite's testimony. After three days of deliberation on March 17th, 2002, the jury returns a guilty verdict and a sentence of 195 years in prison after this is a nine week trial. Right. The prosecutor lays out. This is what they do. They go in there. And they lay out the fact that he go he goes to play basketball, right? And he plays in every game except one. And he sneaks out, out sneaks home, kills his family, and then goes back without anybody noticing. No blood on him. Also, no blood on, they didn't yeah, notice. They didn't anything. notice him, but because they, they were tiny, right? Yeah. And then he comes home and faints. Oh, they they you know someone killed, and. And they collected evidence. What the only evidence they had was um, the evidence on his shirt. This expert comes in and says, "No, this is what happened," mm -hmm. and because he had that evidence on the shirt, and and the prosecutor just went with it. You know that they. What about that gray sweatshirt? Mm -hmm. It didn't even come up, did it? So they. This is in two thousand two. This is when they are able to test this the sweatshirt, well, and they do come back with a full DNA uh, profile. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Bef before that, what? Did the defense not challenge that in that first trial? 
I guess not. Like there's challenge. so much. There's so much reasonable doubt in here. Yeah. I don't understand. So this is about expert witnesses, right? And yes. we can talk about that a little bit too. So the jury weighed heavily on what the expert, the so-called expert, said. Right. A- and and uh, his defense attorney also says that she thinks the the women. So they did put up a fight about having the women come and testify. Yeah. They said that's in the past. It's inadmissible. Yeah, it's, it's, it has it's, no relevance. It's no relevance, right? But the judge sided with the prosecution and made the yeah. decision to allow the the women yeah. in. So the defense attorney talks about how she thinks that. The, that part of it also played a role too. I just don't to un- create that reasonable yeah. doubt. There's so much reasonable doubt here. Yeah, I, I'm I'm inclined to say he didn't have a good lawyer. But anyways, okay, so he's in jail now. Now what happens? Yep. So this is what did I say? What year was that? 2002. So fast forward to 2004, August of 2004. The Indiana Court of Appeals overturns the conviction because of the testimony from all of the women. So they're going to give him a new trial. Right, because they, they said that wasn't that, that should have been allowed. Yeah, so we'll give allowed. you a new trial. Yep, it, they say that it biased the jury, essentially. Yeah. Okay, this is what happens for the second trial. I'm sorry. So he gets a second trial. A bombshell comes out that Rob Stites turns out to not be an expert analysis at all. Well, but hold on, they, they threw out the, the, woman the women's testimony. testimony yes. Right. And now they find out that Rob Stites is not actually an expert analysis. He has zero credentials as a blood spatter person, uh, but he was permitted to take the stand. He's blood never blood spatter expert. I don't know why I said he, person. He's, yeah, he's never, never been to crime scenes or anything. Never been to. He was a security guard at one crime yeah, scene one no, time. Uh, he no education in serology yeah. or anything. He said he claimed that he had testified for hundreds of cases. Yeah. He testified that he was a professor at a university. None of this was true. And so the defense looks at it and starts trying to dig in and find these. She, her, her, his defense attorney was like, okay, if you've testified for all these cases, let's find all these cases. There should be proof of that, right? right? So he is uh, allowed to testify and take the stand. I mean, a, di- a direct quote from him is my name is Robert Stites. I'm a professor at Portland State University. I teach graduate classes in blood spatter analysis. So, so the second trial, a crime scene reconstruction evidence extraction. That was not true. So he's testifying again in the second trial. No, they are still allowing this blood spatter okay. analysis yeah. to be played in. Mm-hmm. There's the the judges are still allowing this testimony to come in because then Rod Englert comes in and testifies also with Rob Stites. Okay. All right. So he's going to back up Rob Stites essentially. All right. So the DNA on that sweatshirt has not come back yet. We're n- we're going to get there after this. Sorry. I, I yeah, screwed up because the testimony, yeah, yeah. my research was different from the okay, yeah, thing yeah. a little bit. Okay, now new, so new, just new trial because they get the women, um, the women's yeah, testimony, testimony thrown out. Gotcha, yes, gotcha. but now we also know that Rob Stites is not an expert at all. Yeah, and so they talk about how there yeah. were signs of this. Do you remember how I mentioned that garage door? Yeah, that was motor oil. Motor oil on yeah. the garage door. The sewer cap where there was like a little red dot. Mm-hmm. That was from the little red snapper push mower mm-hmm. um, that David had. It was like the residue from that, not mm-hmm. blood. And then when they tested the mop, no blood on the mop. They found it wasn't actually blood, like Rob yeah. had said. Yeah. So those things in the the crime scene that he I, had. I I don't understand why they didn't introduce this stuff. And like when you go to a yeah. crime scene, 
you, you want to put all the pieces together so there's no reasonable doubt in, in the jury's mind, right? Why didn't the jury ask, well, was it blood? Was was it blood on, on the... Uh, on the thing on the um the garage, the garage door, door. Mm-hmm. was it blood on the mop was it blood on on the um the drains and whose blood was it why didn't the jury ask these things why didn't the defense ask about these things they put too much weight on this expert, expert mm-hmm. who wasn't a freaking expert yeah i don't understand how the jury like i i don't i don't understand why the prosecutor didn't say oh and we have blood over here, here, here. Like you don't hear about that. Yeah, they, they, they didn't, didn't talk about they it. They didn't even test the blood. Yeah, they didn't even test the blood. Mm-hmm. I mean that was that. Like Insane. I don't. I just don't understand why the defense didn't didn't ask for all that. Yeah, I I was screaming through this entire. Yeah. The first time I okay. watched this episode, I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Yeah. Okay, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about like do yeah. cover this episode because we're we're constantly talking about you know forensic mm-hmm. evidence and yeah. DNA and stuff, and this yeah. is. I wanted your opinion because that's yeah. insane. No, you gotta you gotta go in there and say, okay, this is what our expert says, but here's how we're gonna prove it. Because guess what? Right. There is blood on the mop, and it came back as the victim's blood, the deceased's blood. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's that a little kinda, more condemning. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing you do. Why wouldn't you want to pile up all that evidence? They it they, right. they like they sounds like they rushed right to it. So yeah, all right. Um, and they even have like another transcript that says like the state in this trial, the state was even acknowledging that Rob Stites had since admitted that he is not a crime yeah. scene reconstructionist and almost has no scientific background of any kind. So they acknowledge this, but they're still allowing the testimony yes. into play for the yeah. second. It's crazy. So January 17th, 2006 is when his second trial starts. He's found guilty again and sentenced to life in prison without parole on March 29th, 2006. So now this is the second trial we've had. He's gotten two guilty verdicts. Now, we're going to fast forward to June 2009. Indiana Supreme Court reverses this conviction due to speculati- speculative evidence. So I'm assuming that is referring to the, the blood the, spatter. The blood spatter, yeah. yeah. So they brought... Now he's got a good attorney. They appealed it all the yeah. way up to the Indiana Supreme Court, State Supreme Court. So now we're they, going. Did they release him? I can't remember. Did they release him or no? It didn't I, say. Yeah, probably not at this it, point. I did. It didn't say. But he gets a new trial. Right. He's going to get a new trial. Uh, but that was in 2009. His new trial isn't until 2012. So I don't think they released him because it says that he served a full 13 no, years you're in right, prison. Because the appeal probably took yeah. half that time, you know, yeah. getting up to the Supreme Court. Okay. So now after this second trial, we've got the uh, we've won another appeal. So now we're preparing for another trial. Oh, we right? are. Are you on their team? Well, I'm. T- t- yeah. Smart. Smarty pants. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> OK. I'm t- telling the story. OK. So the defense team, the defense team. Jeez, I can't speak. <laughs> the defense team wants to run this DNA from the gray sweatshirt through the system again because his his thing has always been i didn't do this didn't do test it. that, that dna the, yeah that gray sweatshirt is not mine it's not my family members whoever wore that killed my family so the defense attorney does say that they had a little pushback from the prosecution but they finally get them to testify it and it comes back to, to the name testify it or to geez louise are you oh you're listening to me now when i when i mess up <laughs> and when i say something yeah. wrong is now when you listen to test to test the <laughs> DNA. Okay. The pregnancy brain is real bad this time, guys. Right. 
So they get the prosecution to test the DNA again, yeah. run it through CODIS, yeah. um, because she's like, listen, it's been how many years now? 12 years. Maybe he's the dude's been arrested and is in the system. So the DNA does come back with a match, to, and the name is Charles Bonet. Now, he is a serial rapist who just so happened to have a thing for women's feet and shoes. Yeah, he was the... Um, the shoe bandit. The shoe bandit. Mm-hmm. Rapist. It wasn't shoe... Uh, the it was shoe, ban- shoe, shoe bandit. Shoe yeah. rapist. No, it was a shoe bandit, but he yeah. was a serial rapist. Yeah. He would attack women and steal their shoes, and I will direct your attention back to the shoes yeah. on the top of the... Again, why, why didn't... Like, at the crime scene... You got the photos and you got the shoes perfectly placed on top of the uh, of the car, right? To me, my first thought was, oh, uh, I, I guess this doesn't help the the defendant, but oh, did was she talking to somebody she knew and took off her shoes right. or like what? That's odd. Well, that's what the prosecution was saying. He staged the entire crime scene, so every question that they brought up, yeah, the prosecution ba- just ba- said he staged based it. Based on did that. on what? Uh, based on what? I just don't uh, that that expert quote. I'm doing the yeah. Air quotes that's here. not that is like you you yeah. You have to have proof like stage. You can't go in there and say oh they you staged it. They staged it. Yeah, you okay. have to have proof of why you staged. But it. the shoes were were awkward. I mean, you can tell somebody because you usually hold a pair of shoes yeah. like this with the tips forward, mm-hmm. and that was facing backwards. So somebody was kind of sideways and put it on top of the the roof. You know, I mean, she put her kids in the car, and then she took her shoes off like that. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But he staged it, I guess. Okay. Yes. So he had also, not only did he have this, like, history, he had just been released. Charles Bonet had just been released from prison just a few months prior to this murder taking Mm -hmm. place. Now, his prison nickname was Backbone. Mm -hmm. So, again, I will direct you back to that gray sweatshirt. Mm Mm-hmm. The DNA came from the gray sweatshirt. Well, the DNA, the gray sweatshirt was a prison sweatshirt. It had been come from the Indiana, one of the prison facilities there. Mm-hmm. And on the collar in black Sharpie had been the name uh, Backbone, which yep. is Charles Bonet's nickname. prison nickname, right? Which I feel like you could have figured that out 12 years ago. Without DNA, yeah, right? no, no, you could like asking like, around, but searching in in the crime information mm-hmm. um, database, if if that's his nickname in prison, that might be because those are in the system, that, right? It the might nicknames? be, it might, it could be, it might be, yeah, it might or be. like ask some informants or something, you yeah, know? Yeah, but the, here's the thing, okay, the prosecutor didn't put forward that sweatshirt, so did the defense even know about it? They, they, yes, they, they asked. They it. did because they asked them to test it. The whole thing was. But in the first trial. Yeah, they asked them to test it, and nothing. It didn't come back as a match. Remember? Why didn't they? Oh, it didn't come back as a match. There the was yeah. The first time they ran it through Codis, there was no match. But, but why didn't the defense bring it up as reasonable doubt? Like, is this your? This is not your sweatshirt. This is not the defendant's sweatshirt. Like, I, I, I don't. I'm. Did. I'm confused why this didn't steer the jury away they were just so focused on the expert on the testimony. expert yeah yeah, yeah. expert uh, expert mm-hmm. testimony plays yeah okay and uh, okay so uh, you weren't paying super close attention but i was like annoying you with it i'm gonna mm. you know bring up the johnny depp trial for a second they had two expert test expert witnesses one for his side and one for mm-hmm. amber Heard's side and that that took up a large amount of people's 
focus. I yeah. noticed that everyone's focus was on these two expert witnesses and how they were testifying. So I think it's uh-huh. the expert witness. They, they thing. need to rely on somebody, the jury, that they yeah. can trust. You so know, that that is the All thing right. is it's the expert. It's like that fascination with well, they're an expert in your yeah. field. Why are you and I doing this podcast? You're an expert in this field. Well, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't know if I'm an expert. Well, but I, like for me having this conversation yeah, yeah, with yeah. anyone else, you know what I mean? Like you're the expert. That's like our whole thing. Yeah. You know what you're talking about, whereas I don't. You know I, what I mean? Do, do we have that on tape, everybody? <laughs> oh, my God. Do we have that on tape? <laughs> this, for this Do we have topic. that on tape? Everybody. <laughs> <sighs> you're so annoying. <laughs> All right. But you get what I mean. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. that fascination yeah, with yeah, expert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you're knowledgeable or whatever. I gotcha. All right. So, so third trial. Okay. So the sweatshirt. Where I'm at. Com- they they identify a bad guy. Yes. So also also remember I mentioned that bloody handprint. Yeah. That they never did anything with in the first two trials. Right. Don't get it. Why? Well, how come I, this didn't come mm-hmm. up? This is evidence collected. This is all discoverable. Why yep. did this not come up? Well, it's Charles Bonnet's handprint. Yeah. <laughs> they match it against him, and it is his handprint. So he is arrested on March fourth, two thousand five. Now you would think. They would drop the charges against David, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna charge him as a co-conspirator, as a co-defendant. So they this they is so stupid. They work together. So now the prosecution changes their story and changes their theory and says David hired Charles Bonet to bring him a gun. What so Jar- Charles Bonet brings the gun wrapped in that sweatshirt, and David kills his family in front of Charles Bonet. And fun fact: Charles Bonet is gonna run with that and say, "Yeah, that's what happened." What well, I mean, Obviously. what evidence do they have of that? No phone calls. No phone no records. Relation. Nothing. Like I just don't understand this. Yeah, I, I'm just not. Down. I'm not familiar with prosecutors who have all this evidence in front of them and say we're going to ignore it. I've just never experienced that. So the prosecutor, you know? Stan Levko, is the prosecutor in this third trial, and he says that to him there was enough evidence to prove that David was guilty. Uh-huh. He basically says like, if they have, if they go with this theory that Charles Benet is the is the one who did it and the only one, that means that the blood analysis and the testimony from those two experts is wrong. But that is never wrong. Like you can't it does it can't be wrong, right? So that's what he's saying. Like, if we ignore this, then we have to ignore the evidence, is what he says essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, you yeah. you should because it wasn't really evidence. I guess I asked you how accurate is blood spatter analysis. That was what I that was my question. Right. So it, blood spatter tells tells a story, right? Mm-hmm. And you know the science behind it is you can tell where the blood's coming from and how fast or what what caused it to, to get there you know so blood with like brain matter on the wall might mean that someone got shot in the head standing over next to that wall or something mm-hmm. right um blood that drips on the floor shows a certain pattern right right if you're beating someone over the head with an object right blood gets on that object and cast off yeah that's cast yeah. Off. and then when you're back here that's cast off so you see blood up in the up in the ceiling well mm-hmm. you, that's cat that's cast off so right. it it tells a story right it definitely tells a story but you gotta you know you gotta piece out other things together you, right. you know what i mean um so i guess the argument something we kind of learned the the argument is i didn't know this that there's no testing of the forensic science meaning that 
the experts are looked upon as experts. Without testing. But their science is not really tested. So in other words, how many times out of 100, out of 1,000, out of 10,000, does that cast off? Make that pattern. Make that pattern. Right. Uh, and then one of the other prosecutors I thought, we, or one of the other lawyers I thought was interesting was, he said that how many times does, uh, you know, does the expert lie or not lie, right? Do you remember that? Right, yeah, or? yeah, yeah. They were, that's, I was going to get into oh, that okay. too. Yeah, right. that's, because when you ask the prosecutor, Stan Loveco, when he was asked this question, he that's what he says essentially is, Technically, the science is supposed to be 100% correct all the time, mm-hmm. but it depends on the expert you ask you know, because... Here's the thing. So if I go into a crime scene and there's drips of blood going this way, that means something's mm-hmm. dripping down, right? As you're moving. But if there's like a trail of blood and there's like a smudge mark through it, that means someone was probably dragged. Right. Someone bleeding was dragged. Like you, that's that's what it tells you. That's right. That's a fact, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's so it's good for for that. You know what I mean? Yes, like for what a crime scene looks. Yeah, like. Yeah, you know, but when you're if you're gonna rely on it, like if you're gonna rely on it 100 percent for a conviction, you you need to put some other ducks in a row. I think you know. Yeah, like in this case, it was flawed because for sure. if if you're saying blood on his shirt means he did it, well, the blood on that other sweatshirt should have. You know, that's reasonable doubt, right? Right. Why was the blood on that sweatshirt overlooked? Yeah. And by the way, like, there was more blood on that sweatshirt than on him. Yeah. There's also, okay, so here's what we're forgetting. The blood on his shirt, when they put it on the microscope, it's just on the top of the fibers. I was just going to, yeah. yeah. His, his, div- his, his expert witness. It, yeah. It's blood on the top of the, the it indicates like a rub and not yeah. like a high velocity right. impact where it's like really sank into the, um, or really made its way through the pores the of, the, fibers, of the fibers, yeah. you know. So, how, how is that? Uh, like, like that should have been good reasonable doubt too. But yeah, they his, believed her, the prosecutor's expert over the defense. Yes, and his expert even went on to say, like, what I'm seeing is consistent with what his story is. He says that he leaned over yeah. his daughter to take out his son, and. She had blood, and they showed a picture of like the top of her head where she had this blood. Is my and po- the blood on her hair looked like the pattern that was on his shirt. And this is my point. There's no prosecutor in the world that doesn't hear all this. Well, there is. And this yeah, is him. And, and, and that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Like, like you're a prosecutor, like, no, what, what do you mean there's another um, t shirt? And this fits his story. What are you talking about? Why are you focusing on him? You know? It sounds I, I yeah, I don't understand it. Someone had axe to grind with him maybe too. To me, it gives me the impression again, just like in Stephen Avery's case, that they just don't want to be wrong at this point. Yeah. Thirteen years they have invested, they don't want to be wrong. Yeah. And that's what uh is Billy Jensen who is the one of the hosts of this show. Yeah. He says that. He says it kinda sounds like the prosecutors just don't want to be wrong at this yeah, point. Yeah, I know. I, I I'm just I'm just dumbfounded by yeah. all this reasonable doubt, I think. I think. Yeah, I don't understand how a jury could have. I want to be on a jury so bad now because I'm gonna be like, oh, hold, hold, t- 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 hold on. I folks. don't think you'd ever get picked. For be, a jury. Hold on, folks. Not so fast. What happened to the garage door? Was that was <laughs> that was that blood? I'm like, was that blood? Like, hold on, hold on. Was that blood? Um, um, 
you know, flicking through the papers. Because uh, you can ask, juries can ask questions. Can they, they? Yeah, they can ask questions. You would stop that trial every five seconds for a question. No, no, no. <laughs> I'd be, uh, once, you, once we're in delir- deliberation, I'm, I'm talking about it. I'd be like, t- time out, fellow jurors. What? They would hate you. What's the deal on the garage? Was that, yeah. was that blood? That's what, Did I mean, that's what we need. We need jury members like that. No, but. Because here's the thing, right? If, if they proved in that first trial, that, like if the defense said, well, what about the blood on the garage door? Oh, well, it wasn't blood. Right. Well, guess what that discredits? The high the, velocity. The expert witness. Yeah, yeah. The expert witness. Because he's the one that said all of yeah, these things. He said that's, that's what they what's relied better. on. Yep, yep. So I, I just, oh, I'm so dumbfounded on this one. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. All right. I, I wonder, would you ever be able, would you even ever be called to serve on a jury or no at this I, point? I, sure. I, I can still be called, Do I guess. you think that you would ever be picked? Oh, I'd try my hardest to get picked. <laughs> I think, see, here's the thing is our system is our system for a reason. But I think that it would be better to have people like you on. Yeah, you got called twice, right? I got called once, but it was once. for an entire month. But I got let go because I was my job. I was too important to my assistant manager. Yeah, she should have did it. She got me. <laughs> it was rough. I didn't. I didn't think they were going to show us the information before we got picked. But uh, they didn't want me because of you. They asked. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the questions they asked is if anyone's family, if anyone had family members that were in law enforcement or federal law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I said yes. And then they asked me what you did and they didn't pick me. Didn't they ask you, are you biased or something? Or were they, yeah. they said you didn't know what the word was or something? At the time, for some reason, when she asked me, yeah. I've never been in a courtroom before, okay? Yeah, and no, it's okay. now all of a sudden I'm in that. a courtroom yeah. and this lawyer is asking me if I'm biased to law enforcement because of you. I had, for some reason, I could not, I had no idea what that was. But you did the right thing and I asked. Though. And I asked, I said, what do you mean? And she said, are you going to like believe it was still the way she worded it. And I said, I, I did say yes, that I was biased towards law enforcement. I don't know if that's necessarily true anymore or if it really was true at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in the moment I was confused. And I think in the moment I probably was a little biased. <laughs> yeah. But All right. yeah. <clears throat> OK. But I think I think it's people like you that should be because you've done this. You've you would know what questions yeah. to ask. All right. So now we're at the third trial. Yes. Because he's a co co conspirator, co defendant is what they're doing. Yeah, yep. co co defendant. Okay, and they're gonna introduce what into evidence. So they're gonna still in the third trial. The prosecutors are still gonna stick with the same blood spatter evidence. I don't understand how the ju- judge allowed that at that <laughs> point. Three times. They're now. gonna allow it. Yeah, yeah, they they're like, you know what? If it yeah. ain't broke, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, worked yeah, for yeah. the yeah. first two trials, yeah, or, so I we're know. gonna do it. I know. Um, and they obviously the defense brings in. Uh, Charles Bonet and yeah. the lack of communication between the two of them. There's no evidence that they ever met. Yeah, but he other. lied on the stand. Yeah, oh, Charles Bonet. Yeah, he. T- I don't know if he testified in um, oh, David's. No. It didn't specify if he testified, but I found a video interview of him telling a news reporter that yes, David hired him to kill his family. Oh my god, that's so stupid. And, yeah, so Charles Bonet ran with that too, probably to get less time. But he he got like two hundred and something years. He was out. He was convicted. He was out for two months. How did the guy find him? He was out of jail for two months. Yeah, with like no prior connection. Yeah, yeah insane. Yeah. So on October twenty fourth, two thousand thirteen, mm-hmm. David Cam is acquitted of murder. He receives a not guilty yeah, charge. Not guilty. Thank goodness. Yep. So sad. 13 years in jail. 13 years he spent in jail. Former uh, Indiana State Trooper. Mm-hmm. So sad. And he got he got choked up when he was when he said that. I, that made me sad. I was like, yeah. 
So April this year, what did you say? You said you hoped when we were watching the show, you hoped that he. I sued. said I hope they sued the shit out of the state. <laughs> yep. So April of this year, David Cam actually settled a lawsuit against the state for four point six million dollars. It was a malicious prosecution and wrongful conviction yeah. lawsuit against wrongful the state of Indiana. Yeah. Previously, he had he had also settled four hundred fifty thousand dollars against Floyd County and received compensation from the insurance companies covering the expert witnesses who testified against him. So that was yeah. against specifically that like yeah. Rod and Rob. But we we actually watched the testimony, so they deposed that expert witness for the civil, for the Stites. civil suit yeah. yeah and he like i don't understand how how he's how he like he perjured himself i don't understand how he's not under charges now yeah i didn't google it maybe he, he said, is nope. but he said, what kind of expert no no he's like no 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 he goes no. i don't what did he say a uh, qualifications they asked him what his qualifications yeah, were he goes, he goes i don't a, know what that means what, what, what i'm not did, a lawyer what are qualifications yeah i'm not a lawyer <laughs> And, and he goes, nope, never been to crime scenes, never taken a class, never never done this. Yeah, nothing. And he, no remorse on his face. Yeah, I know. How do you not feel bad? You you lied yeah. and put someone in jail for 13 years. I don't understand yeah, uh, that. He, oh, my God. The whole state, everyone involved. I, that's awful. Mm-hmm. I really hope he moved. I really hope that David Kim moved and got out of that state. Cause they but clearly this is a different twist because, th- th- I mean, he, they also know who he also know who killed his family. Though. Yes, so, it, so it's closed. It yeah. was a good outcome. Yeah. in the sense that he got some closure in both. Yeah, both yeah. sense, both ways. Yeah, but yeah, that is that is the end. That is where. Yeah, it, interesting. It's it a good was, one. It was a good episode. If you guys uh, want to go watch it, it was yeah. on. It, there was more to it. We just talked about the first case. There's like three more cases they talk about. The whole thing yeah. is about like expert testimony, expert yeah. witness. And how we heavily rely on it in trials and, and the junk we, sciences. Yeah, we talked about this before. You know, like bite mark is not really good science anymore. Um, they brought that up. The junk you know, sciences. there's there's a 2009 National Academy of Science report that talks about all this about forensics and stuff. Actually, they even say fingerprints are not not exact. Yeah. But it, it's about the testing of the science is is what mm-hmm. they they believe the scientists believe that there should be more of. But, I mean, it's still, you got to go into an investigation, the totality of the circumstances. You got to go in with that mindset, you know? Right. And you got to put everything together, put all the evidence together. But here's the thing. The prosecutor is responsible to, for for justice. Remember how one of the, one lawyer said this, responsible to prosecute but they're responsible to serve justice too mm-hmm. and there was exculpatory evidence and they just totally ignored it so i don't i don't understand that yeah. and the the host of the, the the documentary that we watched brought up a good point that because of you know the expert testimony like the state has all the money in the lab and everything and 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 for a defendant to get that has to pay it on their own has to go mm-hmm. find the lab which ends up shifting the burden of proof to the defendant, which is right against the system. You've said it, this this on this podcast. Yeah, You've it's told against everyone. It's the against burden the proof. It's against the system. The, right. the burden of proof is on the prosecutor. So, right. you know, if they had a tight case, they would have ran everything down. Right. It would have been. I. I it drives me crazy because uh, again, so they brought up and maybe this drives me crazy because it's not actually true but in the show they bring up the csi uh phenomenon yeah so that's and you've talked about this too right they they because it was asked 
why are people why did the jury place so much emphasis on the expert mm-hmm. because of the CSI effect? Right. So for me, watching it, they test this stuff in the show, right? Yeah. So it is tested in the show. They no, show no, no, how no, 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 no. That they test the evidence, you mean? Right. right. Yeah. But they they do it. What was? I had a point. And I just totally lost my train well, of thought. It comes back quick, and people think that um, that that Burn it's the all no, you know they every in the shows, in the dramas, every crime is solved through forensics. Right, that's what they focus on. You know, and that's what they focus so on. So the jury but, members yeah. went in there thinking of the shows that they watch. Now there was some discussion back and forth where you know maybe the judge should select one expert to test all the evidence, mm-hmm. and then that that's. And where that's it what goes, gets presented at court. it gets presented to both sides. You use right. it how you need to, to use it. Um, so, how about that that judge out in Massachusetts? You know, oh yeah, she said. What did she say? She says, um, when an expert comes in, unless they're prepared to show how their science is tested and validated and such, she th- makes th- them have a whole hearing to yeah, test it to yeah. make sure it's admissible for her her yeah, courts on the expert. So, yeah. anyways, that's that's that. That's the newest challenge but that's how these things go yeah it is ever evolving i think they talked about arson too Mm -hmm. the the forensic that goes in that goes into Mm -hmm. figuring out how a fire was started or if it was started purposely that was interesting i didn't know that so i if you guys are interested in hearing more from that specific episode it's on discovery plus it's unraveled experts Mm -hmm. on trial it was really good Mm -hmm. i i enjoyed it all right good good deal so that is today's episode thank you guys for sticking around mm-hmm. you can follow us on instagram at true crime archives podcast that's where i put all of the updates behind the scenes any information yeah. we'll be putting out dates of because we're going to be taking a little bit of a break at some point mm-hmm. maybe trying to record from home when i have a baby so we'll yep. keep you guys updated we'll on keep all you that updated for sure when, we'll get, when we take a break yes yeah, so you can follow us on true crime archives podcast at instagram and then twitter is tc archives pod and I think that's it. We're st- I'm still working on the TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get there. Don't worry about we'll it. S- we'll see about the TikTok. All right. <laughs> I sound old saying the TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Bye.